You're walking with footsteps in educational ministry. Welcome to the podcast. Each episode is aimed at discussion and encouragement of Christian ministry education, including academic, extracurricular, and spiritual activities, and family ministry. We hope you find today's topic to be interesting. Welcome to today's episode. This is the follow-up to the discussion about note-taking in the middle grades and high school. So ready for part two, we welcome Gina Brewer and Stacy Hayes. Gina is the lead subject teacher for history. She teaches history herself in the middle grades and high school, and Stacy Hayes oversees science in the middle grades and teaches seventh grade science herself. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for having us. So we talked about the problems. It's so nice to turn the page and talk about solutions. The problems of note-taking skills that we touched on earlier is everybody has a different approach. Kids don't like it. Nobody knows what to do. Everybody's trying to lead them in different directions. And really, we miss the point that note-taking is supposed to help in the learning. We promised this time we would talk about the Cornell note-taking system. So we'll start with you, Gina, since you were so instrumental in helping to adapt it at Lake Point in its first year. What is the Cornell note-taking system, and where in the world did it come from? The Cornell note-taking system um, was started in the 1940s at Cornell University, and we've just taken what they have, a beautiful program, and kind of adapted it down to younger students and what fits our school and our classroom style. So when you came upon this system, what were some of the things that made it attractive to want to dig into it a little bit deeper? What did it offer? It's very systematic. It gives the students a formula almost for for note-taking. It's easy for students who struggle with organization. It's a very easy format to adapt into many different ways. And looking at it, it married well with our classical model of question and answer flow also giving the students a tool to utilize in studying instead of just writing down notes that they never look at again. Well, let's talk about that. Stacy. I would ask you, since you teach middle school, do students normally come into your classroom already organized? No, I would say they do not. I think being a middle schooler, they're growing a lot. Lots of things are going on, and organization is not at the forefront of their mind. So even though students want to be individual, they want to draw flowers on their notes and things like that, which is all well and good, they, they need something by which to learn to take notes as the academic content gets more challenging. Would you agree with that, Sheena? Yes, they do. And what we found, as we talked about before, is they all have a different version or a different idea of that. And some of them, particularly at the middle school level, have no clue where to start. So this was an idea that we brought in to try to give them a scaffolding that could grow with them into their high school years and even beyond that into college. Stacy, what do you like best about the Cornell approach? So as a teacher and parent, what I appreciate the most is how the notes are organized. And the Cornell note system has this idea of five R's, which are record, reduce, recite, reflect, and review. So the record is just where simply the students are recording what the teacher is saying or showing through PowerPoint presentation. The reduce is to summarize that information, taking that key knowledge and really condensing it down into a few sentences. The recite is where the parent or student uses the question column to say the questions out loud and then also recite the answer. 
the reflect portion is to um, signify what are those facts in the notes? What do they really mean? What is the significance of them? And the review is also a lot like the recite where you are just reviewing that information at least once a week to prepare for your assessment. One of the things I think that is attractive is that the students are using it in middle school. They're using it as they go into high school. And all the people involved can see it's going somewhere. You know, it's taking them to the university level. That's what it was designed for. But you mentioned questions, Gina. What is it about the asking of questions that fits with the classical model? How does this tie in? In our English department, we use the Shirley method, which is a question-answer flow, and our students start that all the way down at the very earliest levels of elementary. So they're used to the, I ask a question, you respond with an answer, and this affirms that model that we use. And it also gives, like I said, them a, a way to study. So if you go ahead and have objectives or key points down one column, and then they've taken notes on those key points on the other column, it makes it also very easy to hand it to mom or dad and say, here, can you quiz me on this? The parent can very easily go down the questions or the student can even fold the paper and do that on their own. So once the parent is familiar with the system, then in any class, the parent can better and more easily help the student? Absolutely. If they just hand you a notebook page full of random notes, it's hard as a parent to be like, what, what do I ask you or what's important on this? But if you've got the key points down one column, it's pretty easy to ask the student about the key point and then all the information that they should have in their answer is right in the next column that they've already taken notes on. Well, um, the way you say that, it makes it sound like you've seen some random note pages in your teaching career. I have. I've had students who um, wrote down five words the whole class lecture and students who wrote a, a book yeah. and, and everything in between. And so it is really good to give them um, objectives for which to take notes so that they can learn how to narrow down information or what's important and to give them a, like I said, a formula or a, a model of how to kind of get that information on the paper so that they can actually use it to learn from instead of just having, you know, pages of randomness. Socratic questioning in the classroom is normal and natural in classical education, wanting students to answer questions, as you said. Stacy, what does that look like in the science classroom as you're trying to teach and get students to, to learn material and to find out how to take notes? Well, how the Cornell system is set up, it gives them the questions that they are then coming up with the answer through lecture, PowerPoint, things like that. And when you have that, it gives them a chance to reflect on what those answers are to those good questions. and even leads to them asking maybe questions about the question. How does this tie into other material? How does this relate to my life? Where can I use this? Those type of things. So this is like giving them a target of what's going to be discussed in a classroom session so that they don't miss those key points? Yes, I, the Cornell Note System, it really does help them identify with ease some key concepts and key terms. They're all laid out right there for them. They know what they're looking for. So Gina, how would you talk to the parent of a new student coming in? What would you say about the benefits to the parent of the Cornell note-taking system as Lake Point uses it? That's a great question. Um, I think for the parent, there's a, a couple benefits. The first benefit is because we're using this kind of across the board, they're not going to see one style of notes in their student science section and one style of notes in their history section. So it gives the parents a uniform look across the subjects. 
how their students are taking notes. Another direct benefit is when your student comes to you and says, hey, I have a test tomorrow. Can you quiz me on this? The parent doesn't have to search for information or search for the question. You can simply look at the content in the left column and you can ask a question off of that or give a statement and ask them to defend it. You can use it in many ways and then they should have all the answer right there in the right column. And so you're just skimming going, oh yeah, you said exactly what you have written down. So it makes it a really easy tool. Um, I don't even have to, as a parent, go back through and read all their notes. I can literally just take those snippets inform questions around those snippets that they have in that column. So it's a very easy way to review with your student on a regular quick basis. Let's talk about the progression because Gina, you face the interesting and the very daunting task of taking a university note-taking model and working backwards. Obviously a fifth grader is not ready for college. And then you sought to create a progression, at least a starting progression, all the way down to that elementary level. So how did you go about that? Uh, we just started at the end point and looked at how can we go back to fifth grade. That's our first grade in which we really start having them take classroom notes. And we looked at what would a skill level be for an incoming fifth grader. So we started with a fill-in-the-blank kind of note system for our fifth graders entering. And uh, we would go ahead and put the key idea or the question in the column for them. And then we would have the fill-in-the-blank notes in the larger column for them to fill in to answer that goes back to that question. We've already identified what's important, so they're not looking for that. So it's more of a year of modeling what's important as we've chosen the facts. And they're just focusing on listening and writing. So I'm listening. I'm writing it down on my fill-in-the-blank note sheet. But the fifth grader is writing in small amounts while they're getting the hang of it. So how do they then start stepping out and writing more? What's the progression there? Sure. As we move into sixth grade, we start doing less fill in the blank and more fill in the line. So maybe in the left column, it asks a question and it has three steps, for example. And we've gone ahead and in the right column numbered one, two, three. So they know, oh, I need to write down these three steps. So it's a little uh, less words that we've typed in and then they start filling in more. And then we continue that into the um, seventh grade And we also begin putting less in the blanks or less in the lines. And then by the end of eighth grade, uh, we've moved all the way into just handing them a list of objectives and them having a piece of notebook paper in which they would make sure that they take notes to answer those questions as the lecture goes on. So we start in fifth grade from literally fill in the blank. They might write down a few words and we baby step that all the way. By the end of eighth grade, we want them to be able to read their objectives before class. Um, or at the beginning of class as the teacher goes over them and then be able to to take notes out of that. Even in eighth grade, we go back and recap a little bit with more words on the page at the beginning of eighth grade all the way down to do it on your own by the end of eighth grade. So it's a slow progression, but hopefully over the four years of modeling that and teaching them how to pull key facts, we can get them to a point where when they enter our high school courses, They know how to choose what's important, and they know how to write down enough and not too much. Well, you mentioned scaffolding. I think that makes a great word picture. It sounds like the way you're describing it, you start out with a lot of scaffolding, and you're taking away pieces as the student gets older. That's correct. And we've given our teachers a little bit of leadway within the grade level. I've kind of said, this is where you're going to begin, and this is where you're going to end. And we've given them leadway to pull that scaffolding as that group of students is ready. 
as all teachers know, every group's different and they're going to move at a little bit of a different pace, but we've kind of identified a beginning point for note-taking and an end point for each grade level. And then we've just asked the teacher to work with their students throughout the year to get to that end point. And we start the next grade, maybe even a step back from the end point of the grade they just finished to kind of refresh. And then we move forward towards our next objective. So there's overlap. Yes, there's yeah, overlap. That sounds like a good, a good plan. So we've, we've seen where the student comes in and has that gentle progression, and then the student winds up in junior high. I guess just looking back over the last year, Stacy, how have you seen this organization and structure help with the learning? So I think that using this method has definitely made the students more confident in their note-taking. They know what the expectation is. They are able to take notes, I feel like, pretty proficiently in my seventh grade science class. And they get a sense, I think, for what is that key information? What are we looking for here using this style of notes? So if they never look at the notes again, and I realize that every student is different mm -hmm. in their learning style, but if they never look at the notes again, do you think it helps you in your class discussions and lectures? Absolutely. I think it keeps us organized and on task. Even for myself, I know which points I need to make really clear and make sure that I hit because they've been laid out in this note-taking system. So it even keeps me on task. So the goal would be, though, that the student would relook over those notes and um, that we would continue reviewing those through unit guides and things like that. So that way they're, they're retaining this information versus just writing it down once and, and never looking at it again. Correct. Well, one of the goals of implementing this note-taking system was to develop it, especially in history. So, Gina, why do you think history lends itself to uh, teaching the note-taking skill? I think history lends itself to that because most history teachers are storytellers. And so when we're telling the story of history, we're giving them lots of details and maybe even side stories that aren't the key most important pieces of that, it adds to it and brings it to life. And students don't always know what to write down in that. What was important in that sentence or what did I need to get out of this at the end of the day? And so I think that the beautiful thing about adding it to history is it does help them whittle down to, I heard the whole story, but what am I going to take away from that? So we present a broad picture, but we want them to take away just a few specific things from it. So it helps us to help them to learn how to narrow down what's important or what's key from that. They're not going to remember every detail of every lecture. So I think that's a really important place for it in, in history. I realize the program is, is new in its development, but can you speculate on how students at the same grade level you've taught in the past, but how this past year's students have had a different and a better presentation of history where they might understand it a little bit better in terms of how to organize it? Sure. I think it's uh, beneficial for the teacher even at the beginning because as I go into each class, I've already have a list of objectives that I want them to take away. And so it's a good reminder to me out of everything I do that they need to hit these certain objectives while I'm in here because that's what I've already deemed as important. So that's one way. The second way I've really seen the students grow is they don't have random messy papers. They've, they're being taught a formula. It's already got narrowed down to the key facts. And so at the end, when they go back and they're reviewing for an assessment on the material, they can look right at those questions and they've whittled down that information. Now, I will tell you at the beginning of the year, they often 
write too much. And then when we start reviewing for the assessment and I'm going back over my notes, I see them pull out highlighters and just highlighting like, oh, I wrote down 10 lines, but maybe I only needed five of those. But as the year goes on, they're learning, what do I need to write down? What's enough and what's too much? Well, you mentioned assessment, the dirty word. Is this going to be on the test? What do I study, Mrs. Brewer? You can hear all the middle school students because the assessment level has gone up. Their skills are emerging. So not that it's designed for the test, but it does have implications. You mentioned review. So do you feel like it does give them a a systematic approach to review for the assessment that lies ahead of them? Yes. Um, I often give them more objectives than I'm going to assess them on because I want them actively engaging note-taking in class. So That's mean. It's mean. Um, so I want them to be paying attention and to stay with me. So I may give them more objectives and then I, w- I may narrow those down when it actually comes to the assessment or maybe even ask a couple of them in one. But they have everything they need if they have those objectives there. And then if they keep them in their binder, which is another thing that we teach them in order of the lesson, when we start reviewing for the assessment and go through it, I can even narrow that down with them. And so I might say, oh, well, the first two objectives on there are really important. The other ones provide supplemental information to help it make sense. But I want you to study the first two and really know those two. So um, it definitely gives where we all have the same notes. And so when we're reviewing in class and flipping through, the students can pretty easily stay with me and stay organized versus trying to search all over their pile of paper, which would happen in some instances like, oh, where did I write that down? I can't find it. But it's pretty easy for them to skim the column. Okay, we're on that question. And then I'm going to look at my notes for that. Right. And you provided some of the starter information to help them stay organized by putting titles on the page, perhaps dates, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, Stacy, I know that you're not making your test any easier. Have the note-taking systems and practice, have they made it easier for your students to prepare for your assessments? Yes, absolutely. I think so. I think the students have had a lot of success with this note system and feeling prepared and confident. Gina mentioned about the teacher having objectives, which means the teacher needs to have worked ahead, planned ahead, gone through the heavy lifting of identifying what is most important. So how has that played out in preparation? Stacy? I'll ask you first, how has that changed how you've approached a classroom session, knowing that your students are depending upon you to help focus them with their note sheets? I would tell you that definitely being prepared like that is sometimes a stretch or difficult, but I think it is in the best interest of the student that I work ahead, that I've thought through what is the key information here, those key points, and helped them be organized along with myself. So it, it definitely helps me not procrastinate in what I'm doing. I need to need to be on my A game. Not on the fly. So. Right. Gina, you work with several different history teachers in the middle grades. How have you seen this need to prepare in advance with the uh, specific questions and objectives affected uh, their teaching? What have you seen in your own teaching preparation? I think that it's made us all um, look at the material and really whittle down to what's important. Teaching is, to me, like it's, it's like a funnel. 
at the top of the funnel, it's why. That's where we give them lots of information. But the bottom is, what do I really want them to know and store into long-term memory? And so it helps us look at it from a teaching perspective as there's all this information. What are they going to take away from it? And if we know that ahead of time, then we're teaching to that target instead of around the target. And I think that helps our students with anxiety towards assessment if they, if they know what they have to know, and we've gone over it and over it and over it, and we've taught to it and not around it. They're very well prepared without much studying. So it helps with that long-term memory and knowing what's important. Well, it sounds like it's a wonderful scaffolding. The value of the middle grades is the acquisition of skills. They're building academic skills that they're going to use going forward. So you know, to have an effective method subscribed to by all the teachers, to have that kind of unity can only seem to help. But Sally or Tommy or Billy or Mary, they have a question for you, ladies. Can they still draw flowers on your note-taking sheets? Can they have individuality? Yes, I think so. Um, they can have individuality in their note-taking skills. Some kids are natural doulers, and if they're taking notes at home or later, they can doodle on their notes. And I've seen, particularly as I've watched this through my upper grade classes, they take different approaches to it. So I had a student last year that went through and would color code their mm -hmm. notes or draw color-coded lines to block off different sections. So I think when they go back through them, they can definitely take some ownership of how do I want to lay this out or do I prefer questions or do I prefer key points? And so they can add to that, particularly in the older grades. I use this idea of objectives in my 11th grade class, and I do hand them a sheet of objectives for the entire chapter or unit. And it may take us five to seven class days to get through that unit or a little bit more, but they know up front at the end of this unit, this is what I have to walk away with. And this is what I need to take notes on. And it helps them to know exactly what do I need to write down so that they're not writing the entire class period because they don't know what's important or they don't know what I'm going to ask them about later. So it's just a beautiful way of saying to the student up front at the end of today or the end of this unit, this is what's important to me. And then I need you to be able to take notes on these key things as we go. I also do give them my objectives in the order in which I teach the material. So they can read objective one. If they have notes on that, they can glance at objective two. They're not all over the page. It's very systematic for them so that they can naturally flow in the classroom without stopping and saying, uh, did I need to write that down? Well, it sounds like a way of honoring the students. It sounds like handing them an agenda to a meeting that they're not sitting there wondering what they should be writing down. You've given them something to focus on. And uh, I think that would be really important for the emerging adults of juniors and seniors. We're talking about individuality. Have you seen some students really, you know, shine, but also learn through adapting their individuality? Um, yes, I had a student a couple years ago that had a very random approach to note-taking, and I had just introduced this towards the end of uh, that year. We hadn't modeled it as a program yet, but I was kind of trialing it in my class. And I had a student who began bringing a ruler and a Sharpie to class. A ruler. A ruler. And the student would divide out the sections of, by objectives with a nice Sharpie line and separate them out and organize them. And interestingly, this student probably didn't have great organizational skills at all, took it to a whole new level, but I also saw a huge improvement in that student's grades at the end of that year. And I think that was really attributing to the student knew what to write down, took it a, 
a little far with, you know, making sure that they lined the paper accordingly. But um, it gave them a study tool that they probably hadn't had before. And it was, um, it was impactful in their grade at the end of the semester. So you think there might be a correlation between organized presentation, note-taking, and learning? I think there is. A direct uh, line. Yeah. I think so. Kind of a rhetorical question. Let's wind up with this uh, set of questions, and that would be, how do you see that it could be improved going forward, the uh, Cornell note-taking system adapted for middle school and high school? Well, this was our first year bringing it down to fifth grade, and I think the teachers did a great job. I don't think we always hit the mark straight on the first year we start. We all had to learn kind of how to format that and pitfalls to it. How much information do I put on there? How much do I not? And so I think even as teachers, we adapted through the year. I hope to see this year that after we've done it for a year, we can take our sheets that we've made, our objectives we've made, and even make those a little more direct or condensed based on what we saw this past year. So Stacy, from the way that you teach in science and taking notes, what are some things that you learned over the past year, ways that you want to even sharpen and encourage your uh, teachers that you assist in doing the same? So um, the Cornell system, it comes with five R's, which are record, reduce, recite, reflect, and review. And so I think that um, in seventh grade, I have been successful with the record, the recite, the reflect, and the review. Where I would like to step my game up is the reduce, which means to summarize. So when the kids have a day, and let's say we're talking about cellular respiration in, in general science, the idea would be they take notes and then they summarize that information that we've taken into this really concise, what, what was that really all about? If I was going to come up with two to three sentences to talk about cellular respiration, what would it be? So I know in seventh grade, that's a skill that I want to hone in on because I feel like I did the other ones really well. I think it will help them experience more long-term memory with the material that is truly, truly important. Well, the, the skill of summarization is an adult skill. You know, right. you have to hand them the tool and encourage it, and it takes a while to develop, but then you know that they know. Right, right. The temptation in middle school is the student wants to keep talking or use his pen and keep going until the teacher pats him on the head, you know. Right. But to come out with those two lines like you're talking about to be concise, that, that takes a while. Right. Lots of modeling and um, practice with that and not something that has to be mastered, but something that they're definitely exposed to and we're working on. Another benefit is that it keeps them on track of what's important and not what's interesting because young students tend to think that what they find interesting is what's important. And right. it might be that you know, the person you were talking about had a dog, which is not the point. Right. And so it does help them stay focused on what is important in this and not just what do I find interesting. So whether Napoleon had a dog or not might not be the point of your lesson. Is that Correct. what you're saying? Correct. And all these are adult skills. They take time to develop, which is why I'm so glad to see that Lake Point is developing these in all of the subjects. I think it's definitely something we need to continue growing and improving and our students um, that are coming through all of our middle school grades will definitely benefit from. And even if they start in the middle, they'll get some of that scaffolding, which will help them in their high school and university careers. 
Well, this has been very enjoyable. Thank you for taking the time to talk about the Cornell note-taking system and how Lake Point applies it in the middle grades and high school. We hope we can do this again sometime. Thank you for having us. You've been walking with footsteps in educational ministry. Thank you for listening. We welcome your feedback. For more information, visit the podcast webpage at lakepointacademy.com.